John, lead pastor, Noel Peepcrass. Welcome to the Exeter Valley Church podcast. Our church plan started in 2021 with the goal of seeing God's kingdom extended in our hometown. We'd love to have you join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. in our historic building at 218 Pine Street. For more information, head on over to www.exetervalleychurch.com or visit our Instagram page. Thanks for listening. Anyway, uh, you guys probably know that I've spent the last few weeks um, preaching on our values as a church. So the month, it's been, man, I was like getting back into the book of Matthew, uh, which is, you know, we're in Matthew chapter 10, studying the very end of Jesus' sermon on mission. And I was thinking, man, it has been a long time since we, it felt like four weeks felt like a long time. But as you know, one of our values is being obedient to the word of God. And so one of the things that we do every Sunday is we dig into the Word of God, and most of the time it's going to be, you know, we're sticking in a, a section of Scripture, and we're going chunk by chunk uh, through the Bible, um, trying to really expose our hearts to God's words to us, and then doing the really hard work of not just hearing the Word of God, but doing what it says, right? We don't just want to know the Word of God, we want to be obedient to the Word of God. I'm telling you, we don't just want to hear the word of God. We want to do what it says. We want to do what it says. That's the kind of church that we want to be. Anyways, uh, I almost didn't preach the verses that Karen just read. Karen could tell you. I actually first gave her a different passage. I, I first gave her a different passage to read, uh, Matthew chapter 11. We'll be there next week. Don't worry. Um, but uh, I, I realized that I had kind of skipped these last few verses uh, at the end of Jesus' sermon on mission. Uh, the last time I preached uh, on chapter 10, I just felt like, man, it is a lot to say already, and I don't feel like those last three verses really fit all that well, so I don't know what I'll do with them, but I'll just skip them for now, you know, and then I, I think, I don't know if it was conviction necessarily, but I, I, um, I was going through my preparation this week, even started preparing to preach uh, Matthew chapter 11, verse 1 through 19, and uh, I just felt like I was, I was skipping over something that might be important for us, and so I decided to go back uh, and, and, uh, and finish up Matthew chapter 10. So I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm talking about chapter 40, uh, 41, I'm sorry, chapter 10, verse 40, 41 and 42 today. Um, you know, Jesus, uh, we got to get back into the context, right? It's been, it's been some time for us as a church since we've been in Matthew 10, but Jesus has been preaching in Matthew chapter 10 his famous sermon on mission. Right? Now, it's not as famous as the last sermon we studied, which is known as the Sermon on the Mount, but it is still a pretty powerful sermon. This is the second of Jesus' sermons that we've been studying in the book of Matthew, and he comes to the end of this sermon, and he says something really profound, and this is what we studied at the very end of July. He says this. Uh, he, says, he says to us that if you, um, if you want to uh, gain your life, you've got to lay it down. Man, it's super powerful. If you want to gain your life, you actually have to lay it down. If you want to follow me, you've got to pick up your cross. That's what Jesus said. To follow Jesus is to follow him unto death. And we've been reading all about how uh, the, uh, the, the invitation to be on mission with Jesus is not necessarily an invitation uh, to live in prosperity at all times. That there, there's going to be hardships when we, when we live on mission with Jesus, even if you're doing it right, there's going to be hard things that come along the way. And we shouldn't really be surprised because the guy that we follow, he actually died, 
didn't he? He was treated really poorly. He endured the most brutal suffering death that we could imagine. So we, when we follow Jesus, man, I mean, there is a good life ahead. There is goodness in this life even with Jesus. But there's also hardship along the road with Jesus, isn't there? And it shouldn't be a surprise because the man that we follow endured the same kind of hardships. And so anyway, we, we've gone through this sermon on mission. And I called you to be a part of the Great Commission, right? And even just, what, two weeks ago, I preached a sermon of, of one of our values as a church is being a mission-focused church. We believe that we're a family, not for the sake of family, not because family and relationships and connectedness is like the end goal. And man, I hope you find relationship here. I hope you find connectedness here. I hope you find a family here. But we're a family on mission with God. We're not just a family that looks inside, looks to each other, exists for the sake of relationships. That's called the country club. We're a family on a mission with the living God. That's what we're about here. That's what the Great Commission is, to go and make disciples of all nations, right? Anyway, so I've challenged you with that call that as disciples, it's, it's about making more disciples. And so I think in that vein, these last three verses are actually really powerful. And, and I just, I actually was, I think as I jumped back in this week and I was like, you know what, we're going to study these last three verses. I'm going to preach a sermon on three verses, you know, and you're like, no, how are you going to talk for 35 minutes on three verses, right? All right, maybe 45. Okay, sorry, maybe 45. I, I do have shorter notes this week, but yeah, I mean, I just thought that there's really something powerful for us in these last three verses as we take a look at what it means to welcome uh, disciples and what our reward is for welcoming other disciples. So anyway, I, I don't know, man, I don't know what you picture when you think of a missionary, you know, I'm going to use that, that phrase some this morning. I don't know if you think about, you know, someone riding around town on their bikes or you know, the, those guys with like short sleeves and ties. Um, you know, maybe it's preaching sermons. Maybe it's reciting scripture. Maybe this is what you think you have to do in order to be a missionary. But I'm here to tell you today that there's more, there's more that can be done. If you don't feel like you fit in that narrative as like the preacher, the teacher, you know, the, the classical missionary riding around on bikes, going door to door, telling people about Jesus, there's more work in the kingdom of God. And there's a reward for those who do it. We're going to find out about it uh, today. You know, I think the truth is that while he has called some of us to teach and to proclaim the word of God, he's called some of us to lead the church on his mission. He's also called others to, um, and, and he's not even only called others, but he's equipped others to be support role players, right? Caring for, welcoming, and being hospitable to those uh, he's calling I'm sorry, to those whose calling is to lead and to proclaim. So I just wanted to say that, you know, that, that if, you, if you feel like, man, I don't know, like, Noel, you're saying, like, be on mission, be on mission, be on mission. I don't feel like a missionary. Like, no one really wants me to preach. No one really wants me to get up and lead music from the front. So how can I be on mission with Jesus then? Well, we're here today to talk about the role that you can play, if, even if you don't fit into one of those little boxes. And, and you, you guys, this role... Like, we're so good at minimizing roles that seem less significant to us. Jesus was really good at maximizing roles that might seem insignificant to us. In this passage, Jesus actually says that the reward is the same for one who welcomes a leader, a disciple of himself. So here's the big idea today, you guys. The big idea that you got to go home with, uh, home with is that welcoming disciples of Jesus, being hospitable 
to those who follow Jesus and who are discipling others, who are missionaries and leaders in the church, leads to the same reward. Welcoming, hospitality, leads to the same reward, okay? Welcome, what do we mean by welcome? Chapter 10, verse 40, it says, anyone who welcomes you, disciple of Jesus, right? Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, anyone who welcomes you, welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me, welcomes the one who sent me. These are powerful words, you guys. Welcoming of a disciple on mission, it's the same as welcoming Jesus himself. If, if, you, uh, if they welcome you, they welcome me, Jesus says. And then the second little caveat, the follow-along tag, and welcoming Jesus is welcoming God the Father. We can gloss over little things like this really easily, those of us who've sat in the pews for a long time, but you guys make no mistake about it, Jesus is making a stake on his claim to be the Messiah. These are powerful words. He's saying, if you welcome me, it's like welcoming God the Father, the one who has sent me, is what Jesus said. The, uh, the original audience would have really heard that. Remember, Matthew's writing to a primarily Jewish audience, and he's trying to convince them that Jesus is the Messiah. They've endured a bunch of hardships to believe that. Imagine being Jewish in that time. They've been waiting for a Messiah. To believe that Jesus was the Messiah, that was not like a popularity-driven like, decision. That would not help your bottom line to follow Jesus at that time and place. And so Matthew is writing to these people, wanting them to understand, Jesus is the Messiah. He's the one you've been waiting for. He's the one the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament scriptures have pointed to all along. So don't miss that little line. Uh, Those who welcome a disciple of Jesus welcome Jesus, and to welcome Jesus is to welcome God the Father. These are powerful words. See, uh, you know, the other thing that's really powerful is, is that some Christians don't necessarily feel all that active as missionaries. Maybe you can relate. I don't know. You know, some of us have more upfront roles in the church or in the mission of God. Some of us have been gifted to teach and to proclaim. But some of us don't feel all that significant. In fact, some of you have even told me, like, just don't ask me to get up front. You know, I'll do whatever you want. Just don't ask me to get up front. And I would, you know what? I think Jesus would say to those of you who feel just like that, this morning Jesus would say, hey, look, if you'll just receive these leaders that I've put in place and support them in walking out their calling, your reward will be just as great. Just as great. You get the same reward for supporting the missionaries as you would get for actually being the one doing the teaching and the preaching. To receive a missionary, to receive a disciple of Jesus, to receive someone on mission, to receive a leader in the church is, uh, is given the same reward. It's pretty powerful. I love this about reward. You know, sometimes we can... Um, some, some like strains of Christianity, uh, of Christian faith, maybe some churches get a little bit caught up in this like anti-reward idea, you know, like uh, some, some of us who are really uh, against the preaching of the prosperity gospel, which is the idea that, you know, it's a false idea that if you, if you give your life to Jesus and you do what Jesus says, that everything will go sweet for you, right? That's the prosperity gospel. We know that's a lie. Why do we know that's a lie? Because the Bible tells us it's a lie, Right? But, but some of us have gotten so caught up with that idea that we almost like take on this, this mantra of like, well, anything good is bad, right? 
But the Bible actually preaches rewards. Jesus taught about rewards. He taught about rewards, and he taught about consequences. There's no escaping it. This is one of the reasons that we go passage by passage through Scripture most of the time. Because when we do, we see things that we wouldn't otherwise see. And yes, not only are there rewards, there's consequences. Jesus taught both, right? Consequence and reward. And in this instance, you guys, the rewards that Jesus is talking about, they're eternal rewards. They're not necessarily earthly rewards. Paul talks about the picture of like an eternal crown that's waiting for us. The reward, you guys, is citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. So God's not anti-reward, okay? And yeah, we've learned that the narrow road of discipleship will bring us into many hardships. However, this narrow road, it does not lead to destruction. The narrow road does not lead to destruction, but as Jesus says, it leads ultimately to life. The ultimate reward as a kingdom citizen is life. So here we see this reward, right? And, and this idea that on God's team, yes, there are cleanup hitters, to use a little sports phrase there, right? And there's bench players. But anyone who plays the game receives the trophy. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Every role is rewarded as a citizen in the kingdom of heaven. Sometimes we have a hard time wrapping our minds around this, right? We think that there's only certain roles that are significant enough to deserve a reward. Not so. Every role in God's kingdom is really prominent. When I was, uh, uh, we were, Megan and I had just gotten married. We moved to Boston. I was going to go to graduate school at Boston University, um, and it was the year 2005. So we moved there in August of 2005. The year before, if you're a baseball fan, you may recall that the Boston Red Sox won the World Series. Right? First time since 1918, they overcame the curse of the Bambino, right? It was a big deal in town when we got there. It was a really, really, really big deal for a good reason, right? Um, I was working as a strength and conditioning coach at Boston University, and they had um, one day like a former, uh, a former like, athletic trainer from BU came up to the weight room and was saying hi to all the people that he knew, and I got introduced to him and whatnot. And really the reason he came up was he was showing off his uh, World Series ring. And it was really cool because he had, he had a ring, but he wasn't with the big league club. He had worked like with a very, like a minor league team, like in A-ball or something, as an athletic trainer. But everybody in the organization got the ring, you know? From Big Poppy, you know, Johnny Damon, all the way down to this little athletic trainer in A-ball, everybody got the ring. And I thought, that's an awesome picture of what it's like. You guys, everybody on God's team gets the ring. This is powerful. And look, that guy's ring didn't have all the diamonds that Big Poppy's ring had, but he still had a ring, right? But in the kingdom of heaven, we get the real thing. Everybody, everyone who plays a role gets the real thing. What a picture it is to be on Jesus' team. He's got the best team, you guys. The reward for following Jesus is eternity in heaven. It's kingdom citizenship, you guys. This is way better than a silly ring. And listen, lest you think that this is based on merit, that you like perform your way into heaven or that you perform your way into God's graces, let me say it like this, you guys. This isn't an act of merit, of like achieving rightness before God. This is a demonstration of the righteousness that a believer has before God. You see what I'm saying? This is not to prove or to gain rightness before God. Our acts don't make us right with God. We could never do enough to to undo all the sin that we've committed, all the offense that we have before God. 
But when we have been made right before God by faith in Jesus, we act differently. Faultless, I stand before the throne. How do you act when you stand faultless before the throne of God? You act different when the shame comes off. You act different when your life has been changed. When you freely receive the grace of God, you act a certain way that's different. You're not earning your way into favor with God. He's the one who earned it. He sent his son Jesus so that we could freely have the gift of eternal life. This is what we celebrate. There would be nothing to celebrate if we had to earn our way into favor with God because we could not do it. So it's not, it's not about merit. It's a demonstration of what God has done. This is why we're able to act this way. This is why we're able to obey because he's changed our hearts. When you are in Jesus, you are a new creation. So I wanted to point out on this team that, uh, that Jesus uh, is talking about, There's, there seems to be three positions that he mentions, verse 40, 41, and 42. The first position, and, and honestly, you guys, this is one of the reasons I was hesitant to like even go back and preach this passage. It's kind of like, well, we could just skip over it because I don't want to talk about vocational ministry, but I'm going to. I feel like I need to. Uh, because it's in the Word of God. The first position on, on Team Jesus, let's call it. The first position on Team Jesus uh, that we see here, not because it's necessarily the most important, because it's the first one we see, is the role of the vocational minister. These are those that we see called prophets, the ones who speak God's words. A vocational minister is one who, who earns their living in some form from their work in the ministry. So uh, this passage, you guys, it is indeed uh, Jesus honoring professional ministry, right? And there's been some debate in the church, and some of you have gone to churches where vocational ministry is very much the norm and all the pastors work, and some of you have gone to churches where they don't think the pastors should, you know, get paid to do ministry, um, and then some of you go to a church where your pastor has a job and gets paid a bit to do ministry. That's our church right now. <laughs> And I would just say thank you for supporting your local pastor. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, and even just like personally, uh, as this church has taken off a little bit, I'm actually able to work part-time at, uh, at my job at school. And I hope that you've experienced and seen the fruit of that ability. Does that make sense? I mean, I've just got a little bit more time to give to the ministry of the church and to still be able to hang out with my family. And I'm, I'm thankful that I haven't had to sacrifice one for the other. Um, as we've seen this church start up. But anyways, uh, this idea of supporting your local pastor, this is not the only place where we see this concept. If you go to 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 13, it says, Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And then Paul, again, in 1 Timothy 5, 17 through 18 it says that the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For scripture says, do not make, I'm sorry, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. That's an Old Testament reference. And it also says the worker deserves his wages. That's actually from Luke 10, 7. Those are quotes. I love it when the Bible quotes itself. It's so awesome. Um, Anyway, so this passage has been used to say, yes, that's part of what it means to welcome a disciple, to be hospitable to a disciple. One of the positions on the team, one of the positions is at times a vocational minister. And I thank you guys for uh, supporting us, uh, supporting me financially so that I can do this work. It's been awesome. It's been um, 
yeah, like one of the great joys of my life uh, to, to be able to work uh, a bit for the church. The second, the second role on the team is, is a different category. And there's lots of these categories in churches as well. We need folks like this. And this is volunteer ministers, people who do the work of ministry but don't receive payment for it. The, uh, these people are mentioned uh, and I think labeled by uh, the title righteous persons in verse 41b. It's those whose calls to live out God's word in a marketplace vocation, meaning to have an, a job other than ministry, right? So these people are represented in this passage as well, this idea of this righteous person. Okay, there's other examples of this in scripture. If, you, um, if you've heard of, you know, Paul seems to be one that was known as like he had a tent making job at times, right? Tent making, meaning he made tents so that he could support himself financially. But that's not the only way that we see Paul minister as well. So there's also volunteer ministers in uh, the early church and and still today in these churches. I mean, many of you are those volunteer ministers. So there's two categories. There's there's volunteer ministers. There's vocational uh, ministers. I wanted to give an example also of of a, a really good one. Acts 16 talks about this woman called Lydia. She was a seller of uh, purple linen, I think is what it says in that passage. So Lydia had a business, but she was a minister in the church. She was caring for people in the early church at that time. So you never know what kind of income God could be giving you so that you can volunteer and still be on mission as a minister in the church. The third, uh, the third player, the third role on Jesus' team, he, he just uses the phrase little ones. It's, uh, it, it comes in verse 42. This is, um, I thought to myself, I'm like, really, little ones? Like, that's kind of, isn't that demeaning, kind of derogatory? It's so, uh, it's so interesting with Jesus, like, just the way he embraces humility. It's, it must not be like a dig to get called a little one in Jesus', uh, in Jesus economy. You know what I'm saying? I mean, what does he say about the children? Let the little ones come to me, right? In Christ's kingdom, being a little one is really significant. Does that make sense? So much so that Jesus didn't even temper his words. He called them, in verse 42, the little ones. The ones that we think are little are really important to Jesus. If you think that you're little in his kingdom, Jesus would say to you, your role is not little, and your reward will not be little. Keep serving. That's what Jesus would say, I believe it. And I, you, know what's even, uh, you know what's even more cool about this, uh, these little ones, these ordinary believers who love God's word, but, but don't lead in the church. They're more behind the scenes, like role players. What's so cool about this is it says that, um, it says, so not only are the little ones honored, but the role of honoring the little ones is honored, right? Even those who give just a cup of water to these little ones in my name will receive honor. It's really powerful. There's no role too insignificant to make a difference and receive a reward in God's kingdom, it just reminded me of how, like, God is such a seeing God. He's a seeing God. He sees us. He sees you. He sees your heart to serve. He sees the ways you've been hospitable. Hospitable. If you're not careful, it sounds like hospital. Jesus sees you. He sees even those who honor the littlest ones. Just a cup of water, just a cold cup of water is all it takes to do something significant in Jesus' kingdom. Just a cold cup of water. You could be dirt poor and still have a cup of water to offer to Jesus' kingdom. I just want to invite you, if you feel insignificant, you're not, you're not insignificant. You're not insignificant. Every role that Jesus has, has laid out is important. 
And that's why he rewards these roles. Man, you, you just, you gotta love the picture of this family. Different roles, all working together, where everyone's role is just as significant. Everyone's role gets the same reward at the end of the day. Yes, some are leading, some are teaching, some are preaching, but Jesus tells us that the reward is the same for even the role players. Imagine a professional sports league where the role players got paid the same as the star players. That's not exactly how we do it, is it? It's a very, it's a very foreign concept to us, but in, in Jesus' kingdom, role players get the same reward. Uh, and I just love this idea because I started to think, well then, yeah, like, and, and this is why I got more confidence to preach this text today. It's like, like, oh, I'm saying like, yeah, vocational ministers, support your local pastor, yay, make it so my family can eat, you know, and, and you guys have done all that, that's great. But guess what? I also get to support the little ones. That's what it looks like to be in, in Jesus' family. We all serve each other. We all recognize that no role is more or less significant in advancing his kingdom. He's given us all a job to do. If you, um, I always uh, uh, remark at the sport of baseball, because in baseball, it's very um, socialist, I guess, in, in a sense. Can I say that word in church? Don't take that the wrong way. I'm not talking politics. Okay, but it's very, it's very equal opportunity. Who's the most def uh, important defensive player on the field in any one play in baseball? Who, whoever the ball is hit to. Is that not right? Whoever the ball is hit to. And as a coach, you know, as hard as you try to hide that one little kid in right field, if that ball gets hit to him, he's the most important darn player on the field at that moment in time. And I think that's, that's a, a picture, right? An imperfect, an imperfect picture of what it looks like to be on Team Jesus. Every role can be really significant in the family of God. And we all serve each other. It's like the perfect team, the team where everybody rooted for one another, the team where everybody cleaned up after practice, the team where everyone ran hard in wind sprints, the team where everyone did their very best and was appreciative of the person next to them. This is Team Jesus, you guys. The perfect team, the best team. All right, so enough with the coaching analogies. You're like, all right, put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. Here we go. Yeah, so that's cool because that's where I'm at in the message. What are some, some practical ideas? So what does this mean for you, right? What does this mean for you? How can, how can we walk this out? You know, this, this passage, it has a very personal uh, nature to it, a very individual nature to it, right? You individually have a call to be hospitable to others on mission, to receive other Christians and support them, whether they come to this church or to another church or they work for a parachurch ministry. We all have an individual role and a calling to support others on mission. But there's also, I'm gonna use a fancy word, there's also a very ecclesiological call. Ecclesiology is like the, the, uh, the study and practice of how we do church. Um, there's a very ecclesiological call, a communal call for the family of God. Uh, D, uh, Frederick, let's see, Dale Frederick Bruner, that's the guy's name, sorry. Uh, he, sa he said this, this is a great quote I wanted to read to you, and I felt like he said it better than I could say it. This is what he means by that. He says, people who welcome Christian people that is, people who join Christians in their worship and fellowship around the preached and sacramental word are people who receive Christ and the Father. Let me say it again. People who welcome Christian people, that is, people who join Christians in their worship and fellowship around the preached and sacramental word are people who receive Christ and the Father. We can read our Bible privately. We can be friends over the back fence cordially. But until we sit down together in the fellowship of the church, we have not really received either Christian workers or their, or their Lord. Part of the way 
that we receive, Christian workers, and thus Jesus Christ, God the Father, is through our participation in a local church, you guys. You cannot do this only on your own. There will be times where you have an individual call to perform a role in the kingdom of heaven, but you cannot do that only on your own. It's both individual and communal. We have to be here together, you guys. I, I was so sad this week. I just had a friend tell me, and I didn't get in an argument with him at all. Maybe I should have said more. I don't know if I was being patient or if I was being you know, weak. I'm not sure. But he was trying to tell me that, sh- that just watching church on a video screen every Sunday was just as good as going to the church that he had attended pre-COVID. I'm here to tell you, as your pastor, in love, it's not as good, you guys. It's not as good just to listen to a podcast and be edified by the word. I mean, that's, it is good, but it's not as good as being a part of a community, a family, right? Sometimes it's hard to be a part of a family. It's less convenient, I will tell you, to show up at 930 because that's when we all agreed to show up as opposed to whenever you want to. It's hard at times when your brother or sister says, hey, what were you doing the other day? I heard you say this or do that. It doesn't seem to line up with what you say you believe. Those things can be hard, but you guys living together as a community, truly being a part of a family, this is the way that God designed it. So we, we not only have an individual call to walk this out, you guys, we have a communal, an ecclesiological call. That is a really big word. I almost didn't use it. I was like, no, it's a good word. So how can you do this here? How can you here practice this idea of welcoming, receiving hospitably, disciples on mission with Jesus. Let me give you uh, some ideas here of how you could do this. Oh my goodness, I printed on both sides, now I gotta figure out. There we go. So the first thing, and actually, I want if some of you were here just a few weeks ago when uh, we had an, an, a meeting about invitation, uh, an invitation to partnership is what I called the meeting, right? And I talked about what does it mean to be a partner with this family that's on mission with God? What does it mean? And I, I gave four Ps, because I like alliteration, I like using, you know, things that will help you remember. And so the first P that I talked about was just having a certain posture, right? This idea of being people who who are inside and deep. People who have an intimate relationship with God. So this is my first invitation to you this morning. Like, how can you be the kind of disciple that receives hospitably other disciples on mission, who supports the mission of God by supporting missionaries. First, how can you do this? You can be someone who's got a relationship with Jesus. Like, think about this for just a second. How weird is it, or how weird would it be to try and invite people into a relationship with a God whom you do not have relationship with? Mission gets really hollow when you invite people into a relationship with a God whom you do not know. You need, my first directive to you, get to know Jesus. Spend time with Jesus. Not to earn your way to heaven, to know him, to know what it's like to be in the presence of God. Relationship with Jesus is what, that's like our first thing. So number one, you know, just before I say things that you should do, I want to say how you should be. Does that make sense? I want to tell you how to be, not just tell you what to do. So our posture also, I've said this phrase over and over, it's also like we're a family, yes, but we're a family that's on mission with God. We are an outward-facing circle. We'll circle up. It's super great to have relationships, but we don't want to just look in and become a bunch of country clubbers, right? No offense if you're a country club member. Nothing inherently wrong with that. It's just not what the church is, right? 
So, all right, so here we are. We've got this certain posture. So, so then what? Then what? How can I be a part of God's great mission? The, the, the next P is participate, you guys. Participate. Like, really simply, just show up. Like, show up as often as you can to as many things as you can that we're doing. You know, before, before the Lord, like, show up to things. Show up to as much as you can. This is the number one way that you can join us and, and take a role, take your role. Just do the things that we're doing. Man, I have, I, I think I like, you know, I grew up in, in like the church culture where it was like uh, church attendance was like uh, the way that you almost earned your way into heaven, so to speak. You know, I've said that before, I think, from this pulpit. And I think over time, we've tried to deconstruct that idea. Where it's like, ah, like we're saved by grace, aren't we? Not by like our actions or any ways that we could earn it. It's true, we are saved by grace. You're saved even if you don't show up to church, I suppose. But gosh, if you want to grow as a disciple of Jesus, you need to be here. And I could tell you in the last year of church planning, you guys, I've just, I've just seen it so up and close. Like the, the best thing that I could tell you as your pastor is show up to church every single Sunday. Show up to church every single Sunday and do your best to be here, be present here emotionally, not just physically, but with your heart. So I would just encourage you, man, that's something that you can do if you want to be the kind of Christian who plays a role, who supports the ministry of God, show up. Man, it's huge. It seems so simple. Your participation here, it's like, it's vital. And man, you know, like we just, we miss you when you're not here, honestly. Just personally, I will tell you when you're not here, I miss you. I want to be here with you. I want to have relationship with you. So I'm not trying to beat you over the head. I'm just telling you, man, I like it when you're here. I like it when you're here every Sunday. I get to know you a lot better. We could go a lot further together when you're here every week. So participate. We, um, we've got some small groups launching, right? Not this week, but next week. Man, I would just, I would encourage you. It may feel awkward. It may be inconvenient, but jump into a small group. Jump in with a small group of men and women committed to following Jesus and run together. See what happens to your life if you commit yourself to that type of discipleship. That's like a step, a step above and beyond, right? But I think it's critical if we're going to grow as disciples that we have an inner circle, right? So participate. That, there's a way that you could participate. Another, another thing that you could do it starts with a P. If you want to be a part of this mission of God is you can plow. Like you can do work. That's what the kids say, right? I'm going to do work. At least that's what I see on Instagram. That's an, that used to be. Maybe, that was, maybe I'm old. Maybe that was two years ago. I don't know. But how could you plow here with us? There's all kinds of ways. And I was just thinking like, I wonder, like, where does God's mission, where does God's missional need meet with your skill set, your ability, or your passion? What is it that God's gifted you to do that could make a difference in the kingdom of God? Like, maybe it's doing what Rhett did this morning and counting the offering. Like, that's, that's a thing, right? We needed that this morning. Thank you, Rhett. That was awesome, buddy. You know, I know Rhett's a big time, behind the scenes kind of guy. We love him for it. But that's just one example. Rhett works for a financial advisor, so we trust him with our money. But what is it that God's equipped you to do? What do you get excited about? Maybe it's building stuff. Maybe it's fixing stuff. Maybe it's being with people. Maybe it's leading moms. Maybe it's working with kids, playing with kids. I do not know. Maybe it's leading worship. Maybe it's teaching or preaching. Where does your skill set match up with a missional need? Pick up the plow and serve in some way, you guys. And then the second part of that, though, the second part of plowing is that sometimes plowing doesn't necessarily meet up with our skill sets. Do you know what I'm saying? Like sometimes there are, there are jobs that only you can do, and sometimes 
in God's kingdom, we're asked to do things that go like, like for example, giving away our money. Like who feels like they have the spiritual gift of giving away their money? Not me, right? That's called sacrifice. Do you know what I'm saying? And sometimes giving up of your time feels like sacrifice. And sometimes there's other resources that God asks you to give that feel like sacrifice. And so I would invite you, those are other ways that you could serve. But I guarantee you, God has given you something that you can use to be a part of his mission. And then the last thing is like, just in principles, like if you agree with the vision and mission of this church, if you're like, man, word, spirit, mission, let's go, like then get on board and let's go. If you believe in the vision and the mission of this church, like get on board, let's go, let's go together. Let's go together, it'll be fun. Like let's do it. I mean, and and maybe you're like, I don't know exactly what you mean by that. Well, come along, you'll find out as we go, right? Come along, you'll find out as we go. And if, if you're like, man, I don't really know yet. I, I just had a, a phone call with someone this week who was like eager to serve actually our church. Uh, and he's not been here very often yet. Like he's super new to our church, but he was eager to serve, you know? And I, I told him like, hey, just come hang out for a bit, you know? Like, let's get to know each other. You don't really know us. We don't really know you yet. Stoked that you're excited to serve. That is awesome. But let's get to know each other a little bit. If you feel like you're in that spot today, like that's cool too. Keep showing up. Let's find out if we kind of see things the same way. And then if we do, man, we'd be happy to get you on board. Let's go together. Anyways, uh, I guess it's time to conclude, but I, I, um, I wanted to end with a bit of a story, a really short story. Uh, when, when Megan and I, uh, well, when, when I started to feel like the Lord was saying, green light, go, it was the summer of 2020. We'd known that, that the Lord had been leading us towards like vocational ministry and the idea of seeing a new church established here in Exeter. We'd known that for years, um, but we were just in a period of waiting and discerning and waiting and discerning and waiting and discerning, hard things, waiting and discerning, waiting and discerning. You get the picture. Finally, in the middle of COVID, June or so of 2020, I'm praying because I felt like the Lord was starting to say, go, like green light. I was starting to sense that he was saying that. And I was like, I, I remember saying to him, like, gosh, what's this all about? You've been saying just like, dude, chill out. Stop being so driven. Like, just wait. Be patient. Things are happening. You've been saying that for months and months and months and months. And now I feel like you're saying go. And it kind of feels weird. It's like, you know, dad actually gave me the keys to the new car or whatever. It's like, whoa, this is weird. Did you do that? Anyways, uh, I felt like he was saying go. Uh, I asked him, like, what does that mean? Okay, go. I get it. You're saying go. I hear you. Green light, go. What does that mean? Like, what am I supposed to do? I felt like he clearly said in prayer, do what's on your heart to do. And the thing that I was longing for was to have a team of people on mission with us here in Exeter. And we had, in a sense, carried this, like, secret in our hearts. That's how it felt to us to a certain extent. Felt a little bit lonely. Uh, but I felt like God's primary directive for us in, in seeing this church established was to build a team. And uh, so we ended up starting to work that out. Even that took longer than we thought that it would take. Uh, it, was, it was not until the spring of 2021 that we actually started to build a team. But I just wanted to, like, put that language out to you. Like, we feel like what God's asked us to do is not just lead a movement on our own. We feel like what God's asked us to do is to build a team of people to live on mission with in this town. And so that's what we're up to. And so, um, you know, like, like I was saying, you know, like, like, there's many different roles on a team. I get it, many different roles. And some seem to be more significant than others, but that's not how it is in God's kingdom. 
In 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verse 27, it says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Have you, have you seen that, or have you read that passage in 1 Corinthians 12 where, you know, it's like, he, I think Paul gives the example, like, what, how about the foot? Like, some of us are just the foot, you know? But like, what would the body be without a foot? Seems like less significant maybe than the mouth or the brain, but still really important, especially when you're trying to take a step and put weight on it, you know? And so we all have this role uh, on a team. And I just, I just wanted to suggest to you today that if you embrace your role on God's team, by practicing hospitality to other Christians. Uh, you too could be like that friend of mine who, uh, who worked for the Red Sox and got his own championship ring. Every role player gets a ring in God's kingdom. Let's pray. <clears throat> and then Michael, you could come up, yeah. Jesus, we, um, yeah, God, I guess I just, I'm struck by like your desire to be in relationship uh, with me and with us and your desire for us to be in relationship with one another and uh, I, I also just noticed that we tend to um, get things a little bit out of whack and think that like only certain ones of us who can lead or teach or preach or do things up in the front, like leading worship or whatever it is, sometimes we think that like those are the only things that are significant in your kingdom. And I just, I pray that you would take an ax to that mindset and chop it down right here this morning, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray that any lie that would stand between uh, any of us and your call to support your mission, I pray that it would die a quick and sudden death today in this place, Lord. I pray that you would awaken us to your desire to use us to build your kingdom. All of us, Lord. And Lord, I thank you that you don't just call us to do hard work, you reward us. You reward us for the work that you've called us to, Lord. And I pray that my friends here, would receive the ultimate reward, kingdom citizenship, God. Man, it'll be great in eternity with these folks, Lord. Would you let it be? Would you, would you do what needs to happen in our hearts so that we could get on board with your mission, Lord? In whatever role, like, we'd quit disqualifying ourselves, kicking ourselves off the team. We'd accept our role, the role that you've given us on your team, Lord. Thank you that you love us, Lord. Amen. This has been a production of Exeter Valley Church. Visit us on the web at www.exetervalleychurch.com or in person at 9.30 a.m. Sunday mornings at 218 Pine Street in downtown Exeter.